Hello and welcome to another episode of the More From Law podcast. I'm your host, Harry Clark. This episode features Lucy Cole, a University of Exeter law student, also known as Lucy Does Law on Instagram. In this episode, Lucy and I discuss the world of legal blogging, including how to get started, how to create engaging content, building an interactive community, as well as a few tips on studying during the LLB. Let's get into it. So hi, Lucy. Thanks so much for coming on the show. No worries. I'm glad to be here. No, it's a pleasure. And it's great to actually have another kind of fellow blogger here um, in the legal sphere. I know it's been a really kind of popular explosion of people writing in that space recently. Um, and hopefully that's kind of what we're going to be able to talk about today to be able to give an insight into legal writing, social media and kind of blogging more generally. Um, and as someone who's been following what you've been doing for a while, I think it's been great everything that you've been writing about kind of in your experiences um, through the law and kind of to your, your journey to date. But the people who um, who perhaps haven't had the chance to meet you before, kind of read what you've been writing about. Um, what was it about blogging that you kind of wanted to start writing and kind of sharing your thoughts on law and law school and university sort of publicly? Yeah. So when I was at uni, when I first started um, my LLB, I didn't actually realise how competitive it was to get into the legal industry and kind of what the journey entailed. Um, so kind of as a year 13 student, I just thought, oh, I'll do my law degree. And then as soon as it's over, I'm going to be a lawyer. And it turns out it's not as straightforward as that all the time. <laughs> um, so I thought, OK, well, something needs to be done here. People kind of need to know that it's it's not that straightforward journey. I found myself feeling a bit lost at the first networking events I attended. And once I kind of picked up the swing of things in terms of meeting firms and connecting with people, I thought, OK, I'll, I'll start sharing this to hopefully help other people and find like make a basis of support for them really so people can reach out to me if they're struggling as I was at the start of first year. Absolutely and I guess you've kind of been going through university to date have you got any idea in terms of where you want to be you know say five years from now that kind of classic interview question of what you kind of project for the next few years at least in the legal side of things? Yeah well I would love to be a qualified lawyer really is the absolute goal um, hopefully in a top city firm you know, doing corporate side of work. That's the ultimate goal. Fantastic. And you've obviously just kind of finished, was it your second year of the yes. LLB, which I'm sure we'll touch on in a second, but just kind of on the, the blogging side of things for now. Um, so you kind of give it a great overview there of kind of wanting to provide help and advice to people. And I think that's a really important point in that a lot of people, whatever stage of their career they're at, often feel that there's kind of nothing that they can offer in terms of mentoring. And I know that was certainly the case for me. Um, but I think the fact that you can write a, a law degree, a non-law degree, you know, starting a training contract beyond or even earlier than that kind of goes to show that there's always going to be people looking for some kind of mentoring and some kind of advice for the stage you're at. So I guess just kind of on the really technical side of blogging, then what was the kind of first few weeks like of putting yourself out there and writing? What were the sort of steps you went through to to share your thoughts on different topics? I think I started off at really, really basic. So I didn't have a website when I first started my Instagram page. It was literally just, I actually think I started it during April before my first year exams. So it was probably some form of procrastination for me a little bit. Um, and I was just kind of putting on there, oh, today I'm studying contract law, blah, 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 blah. And then people actually started responding to the posts and engaging with them. And I kind of thought, okay, maybe I'll start writing things in a bit more length and in a bit more detail. So I launched my website. Um, which I found totally confusing at the beginning. Um, but after loads and loads of YouTube tutorials, I kind of figured out how how to put something online. Um, and I started putting out revision methods that I was finding useful, um, how I was finding my first year at uni, a bit more about me online. 
and it got a really positive reaction and I had a lot of people messaging me saying I've you know I've really resonated with this post or that's really useful I've I've tried doing this and it's really worked um so I think that kind of just like spurred me on to keep going and keep going and it's been about a year now and I'm at a point where I'm mixing up my content a little bit more I've grown a following base I think we're nearly at 6,000 at the moment on Instagram so the community's really grown in the last year and I absolutely love it fantastic that no it's incredible to kind of see your, your journey and your growth so far and all in the space of years obviously incredibly impressive and um i totally sympathize with the idea of kind of launching the website and be living it lost because i went through the whole process and i think even something as um seemingly simple as wordpress it's it's quite easy to make it difficult for yourself in terms of all the technical things and the know-how of it um i guess just on that point of kind of the idea of, of running the site and kind of committing to a blog um what was your sort of approach initially when it came to putting out content on a you know regular basis and, and how has it said like it changed like you said in terms of shaking up your content and sort of making new ideas and new articles and things? I think what's important is to stick to a regular schedule definitely if you I think it's very easy kind of so for me I was documenting a lot of my studying and you know taking a photo of my notes while I was trying to actually write them became overwhelming at the start because I was mixing blogging and actually studying too much. Um, so I would say definitely at the start, I think separating those two. So saying you're going to spend a whole day working and then spend two hours on your blog is really, really important. And I think not being afraid to put yourself out there and try something new. So I started producing IGTV videos and I did a couple before my second year. Um, and I have always wanted to kind of look at videos and video content creation. Um, so I just made a couple to see how they did. And now I, I regularly produce them um, to go out, you know, every weekend because my followers decided they really liked them. So I think it's just figuring out what works, really. Mm, absolutely. And I think on that point of figuring it out, um, specifically on the writing side of things, I can I can remember my first few blog posts. I think if I go back and read them now, they're terrible. <laughs> and I'm sure that um, a lot of kind of writers can attest to it. But in terms of sort of developing, you know, you've got obviously got a very kind of personal um, side to everything that you're writing about with your blog. You know, it's certainly your personality and everything that shines through. But what is it that sort of you aim for when it comes to your writing in terms of making it authentic and kind of giving it your own sort of writing style um, when it comes to your articles and blogs? I think I aim for it to almost come across as a conversation. So rather than trying to put something that's very well tidied up, that's very well structured, I kind of picture it as if, so the title of the blog post is a question that somebody's asked me. It's very genuine. It's very honest. It's very real. It's not neatened up and formatted in a way to come across, across as highly professional. It's, it's just my own voice. And I think that's where my style has come from it I want it to be relatable content I want my voice to be behind it so viewing my posts as a, a conversation is how my style's developed I think mm, I think that's a really important point because I think that certainly when I was starting to to try and get started with writing and, and sort of blogging um publicly I think it's quite easy to fall into the essay trap where you feel like you have to write so kind of professionally and so formally and um, treat it as you would at university but and I think you know and your blog has been a perfect example of that but people really crave you know the kind of personal story and the message behind whatever it is you're saying certainly kind of developing that authenticity is is really key to kind of making sure it, it shines through this episode of the more from law podcast is sponsored by get into law if you're listening it's like you're looking to break into or learn more about the legal profession get into law or a law careers advice community that's on a mission to build the most active value-driven legal platform in the world through social media they help support aspiring lawyers by providing skills, tools and resources you need to begin your legal career. 
If you want access to their latest daily tips, guides and resources, including some I've written myself, be sure to follow them on Instagram and LinkedIn by searching for the handle Get Into Law. And I guess on the other side of your blogging, you recently met, you know, you mentioned in your answer, you've recently nearing 6,000 followers on Instagram. You've obviously kind of really been able to leverage social media to help promote your blog and everything else that you've been doing. Um, how did you kind of get started on that side of things? I know you said it sort of naturally evolved for your blog, but did you have some kind of long-term strategy when it came to doing this or was it all sort of happening by accident? Um, yeah, there was no long-term strategy, I don't think. <laughs> there is one in place now, um, right. um, but at the start, to be honest, I didn't really think anyone would actually pay attention to what I was saying. <laughs> I, I genuinely just wanted to do something for fun. Um, and it kind of just grew to a level that I just wasn't really expecting at all. Um, so yeah, there definitely wasn't a strategy with it. And I think at the moment now, now that the following is increasing and I'm seeing what's working and I've got time on my hands now, my exams are over. I definitely do have future plans and there's definitely key objectives that I want to take the platform to. Um, but at the start, there was no plan at all. It was really, I put up a post when I'd done something that I thought was relatively interesting. And that was it really. Um, so yeah. And you said there, you know, now you've started to see what's working. I know that Instagram's kind of one of your primary outlets. So, um, you know, just taking a look at that social platform, what is it that you think is, you know, helping content, you know, get seen and get shared? Is it, it's obviously a very visual platform compared to others like Twitter or Facebook or you know, anything like that. What was your sort of plans now for people who you know, you'd give to people who are wanting to get started on that platform? I think it definitely is about the aesthetics of the page. I think that is the one thing that, like you said, sets Instagram apart from other social medias is that it's very much a visual thing. So when someone clicks onto your name and goes onto your page, their first impression of you is what it looks like on the feed. Um, and that's really important. So it, you've got to think, do things tie together? Are things really bright? And are they setting other pictures apart from one another? If you scroll down your account, does it all flow? Um, and obviously, there are slight differences in content. So when you upload a video, it obviously looks different to when you upload a picture. Um, but it's just trying to make it all seem like one brand, I think, is really important. Personal branding and networking, I think those are two buzzwords that I certainly came across when I was at university. And I think increasingly, you know, with this kind of digital age we're in, people are kind of under more pressure to, to put themselves online. And yeah, it's obviously a great opportunity to meet people. But on the point of kind of trying to leverage social media um, in that kind of professional sense and trying to sort of network and meet new people in the profession, have you been able to do that through your blog? Is it kind of a separate approach that you take when it comes to trying to learn more about law and kind of meeting lawyers in that space? I think I've definitely been able to use my blog, which really surprised me, actually, um, how many people I've actually met through Instagram. Um, I think increasingly law firms actually using Instagram as a way to target graduates. Um, and I had like one of the firms I'm actually going to this summer got in contact with me on Instagram the summer before I applied. Oh, wow. So I genuinely think there is so much scope out there to get in touch with people. I've met some amazing lawyers and some amazing connections through Instagram. And I've been able to do some really exciting projects simply through having that account and being professional with people. I think that's really important is although on your feed with Instagram, your captions may be, you know, targeting people who are really similar to you. You've got to be really wary that when a law firm slides into your DMs, that you're replying to them <laughs> as a law firm and not as another like 18 year old. Yeah, absolutely. I think 
people obviously use Instagram and social media a lot in a personal capacity, but there's certainly that kind of different element to it when you've got, um, yeah, you're right, big law firms kind of wanting <laughs> to see what you're up to and um, kind of doing that social research that they do to see what you've been writing. And um, I think that's a really important point because I think I, I personally, I never really realized either how much platforms like Instagram and Twitter were kind of being used in that business professional sense. Obviously, sites like LinkedIn, I think, are inherently designed for them. Mm-hmm. But, um, I think, it, you know, the, the importance of kind of showing your authentic self and kind of, um, you know, building your following through that sense has clearly been successful for you. And I think it, it is certainly well in the future in terms of how law firms are sort of leveraging social media generally. So we talked about this episode about kind of social media and kind of getting into writing and blogging and articles and, and all that sort of thing. Um, but obviously juggling all of this, you're still doing your LLB at the time. Um, and there'll obviously be people listening who are perhaps non-law students wanting to know a bit about what, you know, what it's like to actually study law. Perhaps when they do it later on the GDL, there'll be people listening who are, you know, yet to actually go to university and wanting to kind of learn a bit more about the LLB. Um, I guess a really simple question. What's it like and how have you, how have you sort of managed it? I think it's a challenge. Um, I think that's the answer that I give a lot of people when they ask me how I find it. I think I will always remember my first week of uni and I think it was like 2am and I was sat reading contract law and all my friends were just coming back from a night out and I kind of thought, okay, like how come I'm the one reading here and you know not going out with my other friends? And I think that that to an extent sums up what a law degree is like. There is a lot of reading for sure. But I do think it is all about balance. So it's challenging at some points and there's a lot to do. Um, and the way you apply the law in essays and in your degree is very different to anything you have ever done before. It took me a long time to get used to a new style of writing and case law and using statute and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's a lot of new uh, concepts at once. But I do think breaking it down and I do think it's totally manageable and it is a very rewarding degree whenever you know I look back at my essays in first year and my essays now you improve so much and your style of writing just becomes so professional and you know legalese is a thing and you know it it takes a while to get used to writing in that style but once you do it it's really impressive and I do think it's really rewarding. Mm. No I, I sympathize with you entirely I think a lot of my feedback from my first year essays was you know, the content of what I was actually saying was fine. It was just totally how I was kind of presenting it. And you're right, it's it's a different beast, I think, kind of presenting legal essays and kind of conveying points in the legal sphere than it is in what you might have done at A-level, for example, or, or in your GCSE. So um, I guess just on that point of kind of writing legal essays specifically, um, one of the kind of big tips I was given was signposting, being able to be really clear in your argument and kind of lead the reader where they're going. Was there anything that you've kind of learned along the way that you think people... Um, could hopefully learn from and implement through their studies? Yeah, I would say I have two main tips um, for legal essays. The first one would be, like you just said, signposting. So I always use headings in my essays and I always um, kind of in my introduction say, I'm going to discuss this in part one, I'm going to discuss this in part two, etc. And then state my conclusion right at the beginning because it makes it so much easier for the reader, especially, you know, given the academics in context, they've got a lot of essays to go through in a short period of time. So the easier you can make it for them, the better. My second tip would be to analyse. I think this is something that takes a while to develop, but is so important when it comes to a legal essay. So I would say my top tip for analysing would be to look at academics that disagree with each other or that like conflict one another 
look at cases that disagree with each other, look at judges that disagree with each other, and put them against each other in your essay, put them out side by side, evaluate their arguments, and then side with the one that you think is the strongest and justify it. And if you can do that in each paragraph of your essay, your analysis will be shown throughout. And I think it's a really straightforward way to get those marks. And also alongside, obviously, your studies and your LLB and your blog, you've also been doing, uh, you know, your vacation scheme applications um, and you're recently successful in securing two of them. So congratulations on that. Um, obviously got those coming up in the future. Um, but you've obviously been through that whole process as well, I think, of, of applying and researching um, as someone who is still doing that alongside their LLB. I think it's fantastic you've done that because I think, uh, you know, from experience when I was in my first year at university, having these law firms rock up on your campus saying you know apply to us it's, it's quite scary when you don't know anything about the process so um i guess you know using what you've learned to date uh, and kind of going back with hindsight what was the kind of advice you'd give to yourself when you first started out in the process that you would have you know, helped you make less mistakes and kind of make the whole process a bit more enjoyable and easier for yourself i think i would have used networking events in first year a little bit more um i think when i went to my first networking event i wasn't really sure why I was there or what I was meant to do. But I, you know, you hear this law firm's coming, coming to visit and everyone's going. So you just go along with everyone else. Um, so yeah, I think I'd be more prepared for those first networking events and actually ask more questions. Um, but in terms of applying, I think treating an application as if it's another module that you're doing at uni is really useful. So actually putting aside a set amount of time to do applications in is so so useful and also breaking down the questions so just a little bit of background about my application kind of journey I applied to six law firms I had three interviews and I had three offers but I was only able to accept two because of time and I think what was really helpful was just breaking it down into such small chunks so tackling one question a week um, for a period of time. And that really helped because I think it's very daunting, if, especially if the application's got about five questions on that are each like 500 words, to be really overwhelmed at the start by what's going on. But I think if you just, you know, take one of those questions in a week, plan it out, write it in that week, forget about it, move on to the next one, and then read them all before you submit it. It really helps break down the process and make it a lot more manageable. I think that's a really important point for writing more generally, actually. The number of times I've written an article or I've written a post or, you know, even when I was doing my applications and I've kind of left it and come back later. It's amazing what you spot on a second read through once your brain's kind of gotten out of that study mode or that writing mode and kind of had the opportunity to kind of give it a second look. And I guess kind of on that point of when you were actually writing, you know, answers to questions, you know, kind of trying to justify your motivations to recruiters using any experience you've got, um, what was your sort of approach when it came to your writing style for the application side of things and kind of trying to make sure that your application was as persuasive and kind of convincing and genuine as possible? I think everyone kind of talks about using the star approach in applications and in interviews too but for me that didn't actually work. I found it quite limiting and I felt if I was following that structure my applications just had no personality behind them at all they were just you know robotic here's a situation and here's the result and I, I didn't find they that worked for me at all um I think what really worked for me and I guess it does it is similar to the star approach but just without the rigid structure 
um, was thinking of the motivation first for the firm and linking that motivation to one of my experiences and then summing that back up again with a deal that I've seen the firm had done or an experience I'd had with the firm. And that worked really well for me. And then, of course, beyond the kind of written application side of things, there's all of these other stages that different firms can employ you with. I think there's Watson Glazers, interviews, video interviews, all that kind of stuff. And again, I think it's quite daunting for for students who perhaps haven't got to that stage before to then try it first time and kind of not know what they're doing. So um, for people who are listening who haven't yet kind of had the opportunity to practice those video interviews, those Watson Glazer tests, um, what's your sort of advice there? Practice is key. Um, I think I definitely failed my first Watson Glazer. But that's because I genuinely had no clue what it was. And I kind of thought, okay, I I know I'm good at verbal reasoning because I've done a lot of that before. And I've actually tutored people in verbal reasoning. So I was like, oh, if it's just like one of those tests, it will be fine. And then I did a practice. I didn't score that highly on it, but I just thought, oh, it's just fluke. You know, it's fine. (laughs) And then I took the real one and I thought, ah, okay, no, this this is something very serious that I definitely underestimated. Um, and then, you know, I sourced practice tests from absolutely everywhere. I think if you type in online kind of what's in Glazer free practice test, not many actually come up for free. I think the key tip is to go onto law firm websites and find them through there because a lot of firms use the test and a lot of firms do actually provide free ones to use beforehand. So just find all of those. And what really helped me with the what's in Glazer was creating my own documents to help me through the test. So what I didn't enjoy about the Watson Glazer was the instructions before each section. So for those who don't know, it's divided into five sections and before each one, you get told kind of what you're looking for in each of the sections and what, and you get given an example, I think as well. And what helped me was taking that text, putting it onto a Word document and putting it all into my own words, because the way that they describe how to go about each section is quite complex and it is really wordy. So breaking it down into my own words and using my own examples was really helpful. And instead of looking at the firm's description in the test, I looked at my own that was printed out on paper and I started passing them after I did that. With everything that's going on with coronavirus, you've been studying at home remotely as well. Um, what was your sort of tips for transitioning from you know studying in class to managing your workload remotely and, and sort of going forward? What's your sort of advice for, for doing that? I think for me, it was all about keeping a strict working day. So <clears throat> at uni, I was really good at getting up and going up to campus for you know about 9am and staying there until 5 and treating the day as like a professional working day almost, even though I know the hours are a lot longer than that. So I would say if you're working from home, just try and treat it as the same um, and try and make sure you get eight hours done. What I found really useful at the start of the whole online remote working was taking weekends off and just trying to do everything live during the week um, and then having a break at the weekends as if you kind of were working a job. I think that's really useful and making sure that your study area is very separate to the rest of your life, which I know can be really tricky if you don't have much space in a house. But even if you can use a dining room table, it's just I just think it's very important not to be studying in your bed if you can avoid it. Mm-hmm. A really good tip is to go for a walk before you start working in the morning. So 
I almost like pretended to do a commute before I started work, <laughs> which it sounds really silly, but it actually really works. So kind of getting up, having breakfast, going out of the house and just walking around for half an hour to 40 minutes and then coming in to sit at your desk. It feels like you've done something before you've started working rather than just going from like upstairs to downstairs. Um, and I think that's that's a really useful tip. No, I can certainly see the logic in that. And I think for me, trying to simulate 8am on the central line might be a bit difficult with <laughs> everything that's going on. But um, certainly from a routine perspective, I, I think that's really important. Um, and, you know, everything that tries, tries to get you into that working mindset and, and kind of within the routine as best you can, with everything that's going on is, is certainly of use as well. Um, but I guess for now, thanks for sort of sharing all of your tips and everything from, you know, right from blogging and writing through to university and, and beyond with applications. So um, where can people go to learn more about yourself and everything we've kind of talked about today? Um, you can head over to my Instagram, which is at Lucy Does Law. Um, but I also have a website, which is literally just www.lucydoeslaw.com. And there's also a Lucy Does Law LinkedIn page where you can keep up to date with updates there too. And yeah, those are my three main places where you can get into contact with me. Fantastic. Well, thanks for sort of sharing your tips today. I'm looking forward to seeing what other projects you kind of get up to in future. Um, but no, thanks for sort of coming on and sort of sharing your tips, Lucy. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to another instalment of the More From Law podcast. If you want to keep up to date with the show and make sure you never miss an episode, be sure to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and sign up to my newsletter over at www.harryclarklaw.com. You can also follow me on your most social media channels at the handle Harry Clark Law. If you enjoyed the show, please give it a rating and a review on the iTunes store as this helps others learn about the show and be sure to share it with your networks. You can also support the show by donating to my Patreon, which helps support the running and production costs of the show. For now though, I'll see you in the next episode of More From Law.